Good evening. We're continuing our series, the Talmud series. Today, I believe it's number 26. And if you remember, last time we finished, we were speaking about converts, uh, Gentiles that convert to Judaism, why they suffer. And the answer was that one of the reasons HaKadosh Baruch Hu is asking them, where were you until now? Why did it take you so long? Whether they're 20, 30, 40, there's always this answer. This question is always, always relative. Why it's relative? Because uh, you can always ask him, what took you so long? You understand? So that's one of the reasons. And uh, also, you know, when a person wins such a great prize, that he was a Goy and now he became a Jew and he has a share to the world to come, like the Jewish people, then he has to pay in this world for all the things he did. However, you have to know one thing, that the Goyim, once they convert, they have a new soul. It's a very big and problematic question if they're still reliable for all the crimes they made when they were Goyim. i give you an example. If a Goy steal, he deserves execution, not like a Jew. A Jew has to pay double. A Goy has to have Misa, he has to be killed. The question is, what happens if he comes and converts? He converts, he becomes, he used to be Chris, now he's Yosef. Yosef, when he steals, he has to pay double. So now, does Yosef still carry the execution that he deserved when he was Chris? The answer is no. It's a new person. Does he have to return what he stole? Oh, that's a big question. On one hand, is a new person. If my friend stole, it's not my obligation to pay. Ah, you say, well, it was your body. It was a different soul, but it was your body. Still, it wasn't me. It was a different person. My children are not my children. My parents are not my parents. In things that are more critical than stealing, I'm becoming a new individual. Now, why you want to hold me liable to things, the crimes that I made? So this is very interesting, how we can tell that you become a new person. Yes? English better for them. We learn in some other place in other days. Jewish people, they have neshama. Yeah. The Gentiles doesn't have neshama. No, they have neshama. It's different. It comes from a different place. They have, for sure, they have neshama, because when you hypnotize them, they can tell you what they used to be in their previous lives. The neshama was transferred from one body to another. But it's a different kind of holiness to the neshama. Because the neshamot, you know what it's like? Like you have a mind. You're trying to look for diamonds. So in certain places in the rocks, you have great diamonds. can be blue, can be pink. They're worth ten times more than regular diamonds. Some diamonds can come from one place, some diamonds come from a different place, worth ten times more. The souls that of the Jews come from one place in the upper world, and the soul of the Goim come from a different place. Adam Arishon, right, so all the people in the world receive a peace from Adam, everyone. And then the Jews were elevated to a higher level when they received the Torah. But for 2,400 years, everything was the same. Everyone was Bnei Noach, the whole world. Okay, anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're continuing in Agmara. Uh, we're still in Masechet Yevamot. Uh, 12,000 couples of students Rabbi Akiva had. 
Rabbi Akiva himself, you know the story, when he was 40 years old, he started to become religious. He ended his life 120 years old, the biggest Jew in history, the greatest Jew ever lived. And not only that, he was a very, very wealthy man. He was very poor in the beginning of his life. But before he died, he was a very, very wealthy person. He inherited all the wealth of his father-in-law, which was the, one of the three richest Jews in the world, Kalba Savua. He got the money of, a, of a, a wife that he married. She was the, a convert. She was the wife of the Roman Caesar that converted. So she brought him all her husband's money after her husband, the guy, died. She was a very rich woman. She brought all the, all the money with her. Then he found a treasure. He found a treasure. Six different things, six different places, Rabbi Akiva became very wealthy. And uh, as the Torah promised that someone who learned Torah, even though he's poor, is giving up wealth for the learning, for the study of the Torah, Thanks to that, one day he will have the merit to learn Torah comfortably. You know, you can look at the Chachamim, all the big Sfaradim and Ashkenazim rabbis. When they were young, they were very poor. In the days of Yerushalayim, there was nothing really. They were very, very small, tiny rooms. Everything was very old. And they lived barely with some water and bread and some, some vegetables. Life was very, very simple. And each one of them is a very wealthy person today, not doing anything about wealth. They never went to work, they never worried about Parnassah, but they became very wealthy. One of the ways they became very wealthy, they sell tens of thousands of books. And every, every book that is sold, they get some money, you know? So obviously, they have all kinds of money. I know one tzaddik that he comes to Monsi every year, and there's a very wealthy Jew in Monsi, give him, a, I believe every year, don't, don't, don't hold me on my word, one million dollar check. He gives him. You know why? He likes him. He's a big tzaddik. It's an honor for him that he comes and sleeps by his house for a few days. For that, he gives him a big money. Nobody gives us money for our beautiful eyes. You know, oh, you know I like your eyes. Take a million dollars. He gives him a million dollars because he believes that it's for his own benefits. You understand? As we learn in many, many different lectures. The more you help someone who knows Torah and teach Torah, you become a partner in every step of his life. Every good thing he does, you have a share in it. Why? Thanks to your money, it's like gasoline in a car. If I have a car, and I don't have a gas, and you pour the gas into my car, and I was able to go and do something with a car, automatically you became my partner to the ride. Whatever I did in this ride, you have a share in it, right? If I went to help someone, if I saved life, without your gasoline, it wouldn't help. And that's the way it works. Let's move on. So 24,000 students, Rabbi Akiva Ed. Yes. Yeah, we know the story. I don't want to repeat it. It's a long story. Yeah, it's an Ostropus. Gemara said that Rabbi Akiva saw that she was a very beautiful woman, so he cried, he laughed, and he spit on the floor. Gemara said, what is these three things that he did? So he, he cried because he saw that, uh, you know, no, he, he, he smiled because he saw that one day she will be his wife. She will convert and he will marry her. 
And he cried because such beauty will go to the grave and will be eaten by the worms. Such, an, such a shame that such a beautiful artwork of, of Hashem will end up like this. And he spit on the floor. I'm trying to remember what was the spit for. Uh, because uh, ah, such beautiful thing came from a drop of liquid. You know, how, how a person like this became... Three different things he saw in Ruach HaKodesh. In the end, she was his wife. That's one of the six ways how he became very wealthy. Oh, let's move on. So, the Gemara says like this, all the 24,000 died in a time between Pesach to Shavuot. Actually, Pesach to Lagba Omer, that's the days of the Omer. What's the reason they die, believe it or not? Hard to digest, hard to believe. They did not respect each other enough. I promise you that if you would go back 2,000 years and see how they respect each other, we have a lot to learn from them, I promise you. It's a million times better than today. But in their level, you know Hashem very well. You know every word of the Torah by heart. You know all the Talmud by heart. You know all the Alachot by heart. You can revive the dead. And it's a little bit disrespect between you to another Jew. I don't need you in my world. This is how strict the judgment was with them. Same thing Moshe Rabbeinu. How many mistakes Moshe Rabbeinu made in 120 years? Maybe five that are mentioned in the Torah. And if you really look at Moshe Rabbeinu's sins, if today a person makes a sin, believe me, you will get a reward for it. If, a, if Hashem, if a Jew would come to, to the rock and hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, do you think Hashem is going to hold him guilty in this generation? Oh, thank you very much for making Kiddush Hashem. You hit the rock and water came out. It's not even a, what is it? Or if a person will say on the nation of Israel, such wicked people or such stubborn people, He's saying the truth. He means well. It's not that he means bad. What kind of people there? I'm speaking to them all day, learning to learn Torah, and in the end they're doing me a favor that they keep one mitzvah. For something like this, a person will be guilty today? Yeah, he won't be even guilty. But in the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, it was a very big deal. So how many are, how many are left? That's why I'm bringing you this Gemara. How many of them are, were left? Only five, that's it, from 24,005. Without these five, we wouldn't have the Torah. All the Torah will be forgotten. So these five revived the entire Torah from zero to back all the way to the way it is today. Who, who were these five? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Elazar ben Shamoa. Five Chachamim, that's it. And they started to spread the Torah from five people. How many yeshivot we have in the world? Hundreds of hundreds of yeshivot, tens of thousands of learners, right? Everything goes to their merit, these five. If they would sit home and learn by themselves, when they die, that's it, there will not be Torah. But they ran from one place to the other, come, let's learn Torah. They started to teach. And slowly, slowly, we went back to what we are today, you know? So you see, they have big school, these five. Amar Abchama Baraba, All of them died in the worst kind of death. There's 903 different kinds of ways to die. The worst one in that time, maybe today is different because it's 2,000 years later, 
It's a, it's a, it's a sickness, God forbid, that's called Askara. What Askara? It's some kind of growth inside the throat that growing and growing and growing until it shocked the person. He cannot breathe and he falls and dies. It's, uh, that's called Askara. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think that this sickness exists today. Or maybe if it exists, it definitely has a different name. But today we have other horrible sicknesses. And as I always say, this cancer sickness hit almost every family. And I keep saying it, and I repeat it again, that almost every hour I get a new critical condition of another Jew. 19 years old, Zohar Mordechai Ben Roni. 19 years old. He had a growth in his neck next to the spine. They made a surgery. They were able to clean only 70%. Later, when they did the x-ray, they saw 30% left. Within two, three weeks, it already spread to his shoulders and, and into the head. Now, yesterday, and he's a soldier, so he's in the responsibility of the Israeli army. He's one of the soldiers. They have an obligation to take care of him. But his chance to live, according to their expert, the doctors in Israel, is so small that it doesn't work for them to spend $550,000 to send him to the best surgeon here in Manhattan, the best one in the world, that is very aggressive. He knows how to attack this problem. It's one of the worst cancer exists, the worst tumor. And, and, and they say, well, it's more than half a million dollars for, for not even one chance to live. But we believers, we believe in Hashem. We know everything is in the hand of Hashem. If Hashem wants to save him, we'll save him. If he doesn't want to save him, we won't save him. Bottom line, after we prayed a lot, with Hashem's help, they approved the surgery. So that's already a very important step forward. Doesn't mean anything yet, because there's still a long way to go. They have to get the plane to come. Every day it's critical. Every day can change the whole thing. He's already saying the surgeon that even if he saves his life, he may be paralyzed in his left hand. Poor kid, 19 years old. Every day I have three, four, five cases like these. Guys, girls, 30 years old woman with kids. Their heart stopped to work, died. You know, before you realize what's going on. And that's why I say, how can you be happy? How can you go to wedding? Soon it's going to be Purim. Three weeks to Purim. How can you sit and eat and drink wine and smile and sing and dance when every hour you hear about another brother and sister that his family is finishing? One after the other. And I want to tell you, it's all because of our sin. Nothing else. There's no coincidence. If it's such a strong judgment on us, that means we're not good. All of us, not only the not religious people. The demand from the religious people is much higher than the non-religious people. If you have a commando soldier, the best, and a beginner that hardly knows how to hold a rifle, who you expect to save the, the land? The one who just got the rifle and he doesn't even know how to hold it? Or this commander, commando? The religious people, they are the foundation. If they are not good, if they are messed up, what do you expect? Anyway, the Gemara continues, Amar Shmuel, even though a person has few kids already, if, God forbid, his wife died or he got divorced, whatever the case is, he should not stay lonely. He has to do everything he can to get himself a wife. He may say, ah, Rabbi, 
I don't have desires for women. I learn Torah 17, 18 hours a day. It kills all my etzerara, which is true. That's how it works. Why do I need that? Uh, get myself another woman now. She drives me crazy. Go shopping for me. Get this. L- let's go visit my, my kids for my first marriage. Let's go to my parents. Let's go here. I want to go here to, uh, for the holiday. I want to go there. I don't need all this headache. I have to support her. I have to buy her things. I have to buy her gifts and holidays. What do I need this headache for? Let me go. I'm 50 years old. I live 20 years alone. I don't need a woman. I'm going to, Bezrat Hashem, with Hashem helps and the Torah, I'm not going to make sins. And I, I, that's it, I don't want. The Torah comes and answers, no, my friend. You got to do everything you can to get married. If you, can, yeah, if you cannot get married, that's, a, that's another story. But to do, which means, what does it mean to do everything you can? Talk to people, make phone calls, go to places that you may be able to find a woman. If there is Shatchanim, or if they offer you a girl, don't say, no, no, ah, anyway, there's no chance. Why should I waste my time? You have to make efforts to get remarried. Where does it say it? Genesis 2, Bereshit 2. It's not good for a person to stay alone. Three things Moshe Rabbeinu did from his own opinion without consulting with Hashem first. Hard to believe, but that's it. It's history. And Hashem agreed with what he did. One thing, he didn't touch his wife. He separated from his wife. Second thing, he broke the Ten Commandments when he saw the golden calf. Very interesting because one of the questions, it's in the last parasha, Kitisa. Hashem already told Moshe Rabbeinu before he came down from the mountain that the nation made the sin of the golden calf. Why did he bring the, the, the Ten Commandments down and then broke it? Break it up there, or don't bring it. Leave it there on the mountain and come down. So you don't deserve it. I left it over there. He comes in front of them and break it. What's the reason? There's a few reasons for it. One, sometimes you have to do something drastic to wake up the Jews to make tshuva. If you say, you know, I had the Ten Commandments from God, but I didn't bring it down because he told me already you made a scene. First, all the wicked people say, ah, don't believe him. Don't believe him. There was already wicked, Datan, Aviram, they dancing around the golden calf. What do you expect them to say? When Moshe Rabbeinu said the water is going to come out of the rock, they make a joke out of it. So they're going to make a joke out of it. That's one reason. Second reason is, if he breaks it over there, it doesn't impress anyone. Everyone sees the... the, the this is from, the, from Hashem's directly, something like this breaking, and all the letters are flying in the air. That's a big shock. Wow. We got him so angry that Moshe broke the gift that God gave him? That's to wake them up. One other reason is that when a person hears about a bad sin, it doesn't shake him up so much. But when he sees it in his own eyes, it shakes him very much. He can't take it. He cannot tolerate it. To hear about a sick person, I told you once in one of these lectures here, I have a cousin that, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, is one of the most important people in the world. He's a very big chacham, very big mekubal, and you will never be able to surprise him with a question that he won't give you the answer with the source by heart, right away. Any question you ask, he'll tell you where it is, in a Zohar, in a Ari, everything, control everything by heart. It's a, 
There's no way to understand how a person can reach such level. It's not even 50. And all day he learns Torah for many, many years, 25, 27 years, non-stop, 17, 18, 20 hours a day, around the clock. Wake up very early, sleep very little. Mamash like a machine. Yesterday when the Israeli army said that that's it, they're not approving the surgery, they make a vote over there. You know, they argue, there's a budget. It's not a rich army. My friend called me up, it's his wife's brother. He said, do, do something, do you have any idea what to do? I said, well, let me call my cousin, I don't like to bother him. I try very, very much never to call him. Imagine a situation like this, let me call him, get him upset. If I get him upset, it's like Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu got upset, Hashem said, okay, I'll go with your way. If there's going to be ten righteous people, I won't kill them. There are all millions of people in, in Sdom, they'll get safe because you're getting upset. Or Hashem said to Avraham Avinu, I'm going to destroy five cities with millions of people, and I'm not going to tell Avraham Avinu first my plan. Will I hide it from my servant Avraham? Abraham, how can I do such a thing? So you see from the Torah that the righteous people are very important. Now I know you cannot compare any rabbi in this generation to Avraham Avinu. We're not fools. We understand that. But actually you can. Why you can? Because the Chachamim of this generation, compared to the Chachamim of that generation, Hashem compares, compares the level of your achievement in relation to the rest of the generation. If everyone is a loser and you are a shining diamond, so the ratio between you and the average people is a big difference. Same thing Abraham and his people. Same thing Rabbi Akiva and his people. That's what Chazal says, Even though Iftach is nothing compared to Shmuel the prophet, but he in his generation is equal to Shmuel compared to the generation. So it's go compared to the generation. Also the sins and the mitzvot. A sin in this generation it can be tolerated more than 2,000 years ago. Some of the sins that we do, Hashem will give us some punishments. But if we would live 2,000 years ago and we do that sin, it will be the last day of our life. But today he has more patience for us. Well, he knows so many losers out there. What do you expect from them? Where they grew up? You know, I, I yesterday gave a lecture, half of the people that were Russian communists. What do you expect from them? You expect them to now hear a lecture and become Shomer Shabbat. You know how much you have to sweat? Because all their life they taught them in such a crooked way. Now go and try to make them religious. It's a, it's, it's a very poor generation. So I'm telling you the story. I call him up. I say, pray for this person. He's in a critical condition. In the next hour, we're going to find out if they approve the surgery or not. Right away, he took it very serious. He took the name. Two hours later, my friend called me up. Something happened. I don't know what. They changed their mind. They approved the surgery. Again, that doesn't mean anything. Now all the problems right just begin. But if they would, yesterday would not approve the surgery, in a week he will be dead already. Shemirachem, 19 years old boy. So, when, so I told my friend, I have a better idea. Instead of telling him the name over the phone, tell your father-in-law to take his son even on his hands. I don't know, because he hardly walked, the kid. He has pain all over. It's horrible pain. Press the nerve. So he said, I don't know how. Carry him that my cousin will see him and cry. That will help a lot more. Why? Problems that go into your heart by hearing doesn't affect as much as by seeing. 
I'll give you an example. I usually, as you know me, I speak 16 years almost every night, almost every night, sometimes two, two lectures a night. And I've been in so many places, and I saw so many different kinds of crowds, and only one time I agreed to go with someone who came for fundraising. Why? They needed somebody to speak. For me, it was an opportunity to go to California, to speak in many different places, make people religious. So why do I care? The cause is kosher. It collects money for kids that have cancer in critical condition in a hospital. They'll do the fundraising. I'm not involving myself with any money. That's a rule by me in my lectures. No collecting, no nothing. They do the job. I come, I speak the Torah. It was a perfect uh, cooperation. I did the Torah part. They did the collections. Before he showed the movie, people hardly gave money. As soon as I connected my laptop and put his CD inside my laptop and showed them on the wall how these kids are connected to machines, how he comes to the hospital, and the kids say, I want Rabbi Avram, I want Rabbi Avram, and it, that's the guy, right away every one of them double or triple their amounts. Completely different, why? One, pic one picture equal like a thousand words. You can talk and talk and try, a person try to imagine what you're talking about. You show him a person with machines, a little kid, bald, even his eyelashes fell off. He's connected to machines and he's crying like this and his parents are standing over there. What person wouldn't give a donation? You understand? It's obvious. That's what I'm saying. Same thing here. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted them to see how he breaks the luchot. Let them make tshuva. Also, one reason, another reason, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu what they did. They made a golden calf. But when Moshe Rabbeinu came down, he saw that they did two more sins. Gilui arayot v'shfichut damim. They did more things. They did sex crimes and also killing. It was, remember, it was the Erev Rav, the, the Egyptian converts. It was a mess. A mess, like in Libya today. Everyone kill everyone. Moshe Rabbeinu saw what's going on. He broke the luchot. One more explanation. Technically, logically, naturally, no person can hold the weight of the luchot. If you calculate how much it weighs, it's very difficult. It's very, very heavy. Big, rock, massive luchot. What was carrying the luchot, the Gemara say? They were going by miracle. Same thing the Aaron, when they used to carry the Aaron, the, how, how do you say Aaron? It's religious, huh? Ark. The ark. When they carried the ark, the ark was very heavy. The Gemara said the ark carried the people, not the people carried the ark. Because if you really try to pick up the ark as far as the weight, you won't be able to move it an inch. But the ark is, has no gravity. It's like, you know, like if you go to the moon, how you fly, you can take a whole building and push it by your finger. If you go to the moon, take the Empire State Building, put it on the moon. You come, you give it a push, it flies a hundred yards right away. It's no weight. Everything flies. Whatever you want. You want to pick up this finger with a finger. You push it, it flies. It's very interesting, you know. So the ark is carrying the people. The laws of nature doesn't work on the arcs. Also the luchot, the letters of the Ten Commandments, carrying the Ten Commandments. When the scene of the golden calf and what happened over there, the miracle stopped that moment and it fell from his end. He couldn't even carry it. 
because there's no more miracle. Up to now, there was a miracle. When he saw what they did, the miracle stopped that moment. He couldn't hold it, and he knocked it down. There's many explanations for that. Hashem told him, great that you broke it. Yeshar kochacha that you broke it. Amarish Lakish. One more thing. The third thing is that Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to... That the, the, the Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuot, will be on 6th of Sivan, and he added one more day to it, Midato. And it became the next day. It's very interesting. Now the Gemara explains what's going on here. It says like this How did he know that he has to quit from his wife and not touch her? Hashem told him in Exodus 19 do not go into a woman, don't touch your wife, three days, purify yourself, no relation. You're going to receive the Torah. It has to be holy. Okay? He says, if ordinary people cannot touch their wife three days before the Torah is given, me, that's speaking directly to Hashem, of course I have to do more than them. I'm not another person. I'm speaking directly to Hashem. I have to be more holy than them. They're only standing and watching. I'm the one who do everything. I speak to God. If they, I have to quit with my wife, and Hashem agree with him, very good. It's called needless to say. If they were ordered to quit from their wife, it's needless to say, me, Moshe, that I have to do it. That's one thing. Then, it says like this, Shneemar, how do we know Hashem agree with him? Lech emor lahem, shuvu lachem laolachem, v'ata po imadi. Tell them to go back to their tent, and you stand here with me. That means Hashem was satisfied with him, wasn't angry. Very good. That's one thing. How do we know that Hashem agreed that he broke the Ten Commandments? It says, like, how Moshe knew that he has to do it? He said, The holiday of Passover, it's one out of 613 laws that the Torah has. The Torah says, A goy cannot eat from the Korban of the Pesach, the sacrifice of the God that we sacrifice in Pesach. No goyim are allowed to eat from it. Even righteous goyim, they're not allowed to eat from it. Even a goy that is converting, converting, but he, didn't, he wasn't circumcised yet, also cannot be a part of it. So peop, people that are not pure, they have a second chance, Pesach Sheni, and a, a 14th of Yar, the month after exactly, uh, one month after Nisan, they have a chance, it's called Pesach Sheni. So, it says, if a goy cannot do this mitzvah, a Torah kula, the entire Torah, Israel mumarim alachad kama vechama, it says, now all of them are like goyim. They worship an idol. Some of them are dancing around the idols, and all the other Jews are standing and watching, instead of burning them alive. What's going on? A Jew see other Jews dancing around the golden calf, kissing him, saying this is the God of Israel, and they stand and watch. What's going on here? Go right away and destroy them from the face of the earth. If you love God, how can you stand over there and let them worship an idol? What's going on here? Everyone is guilty now. And the Gemara says every generation pays another payment from that sin. Even today, we pay the price. Some of our problems, remember, it's because of the golden sin, golden calf. So Hashem said, now everyone is going. If Korban Pesach one mitzvah, goyim cannot do it. When everyone is going, of course, they cannot receive the Ten Commandments. 
They don't deserve it. And he broke it. That's his learning. And Hashem said, Yashar kochecha asher shibarta. Amar Ishlakish, Hashem said to Moshe, it's great that you broke it. That was the right thing to do. No? How do we know that he did the right thing by adding one more day to the acceptance of the Torah? We can change the schedule that Hashem gave? How can it be? It says like this, Hashem said, Make them holy today and tomorrow. It's two days. Why, three? Why he made it three days, Moshe? He said, Today, like tomorrow. The day and the night, together. He said, two more days. When Hashem told me two days, it's two days besides this day. This day is not included in accounting. And Hashem agreed with him. Why? Because the Shekhinah came on Yom Shabbat. The Torah was accepted on Shabbat, remember. The Torah was given to the Jews, and the, day, the, the original acceptance of the Torah fell on the Saturday, on Shabbat. Tanura Banan. Someone who loves his wife like he loves himself. He has to respect her more than he respects himself. That's the halacha. That's what are requirements from every Jewish husband. And I know, Baruch Hashem, there's more men than women here today. So remember, those of you who are married and those of you who are single, you remember one thing. The key to succeed in your life in the blessing of your marriage, in the blessing of your children, in your parnasa, in everything in your life, in this world and in the next world, is to do everything you can to make your wife happy. I'm not talking that your wife is a psychopath that every hour she wants another gift. And all that she wants to walk around with the credit cards and, you know, going left and right, left and right, and you run and working three jobs, shh, 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 all day like this. No, that's a, a sick person. But I'm talking in a logical way. Participate in the efforts, help. If you can do shopping, do shopping. Take her to places. Once a week, take her out, sit with her, talk about all kinds of things, drink a little bit lechaim. Show her that she's still important to you like the first day. But remember, I'm talking in a logical way. We are not talking someone who has a crazy wife, every hour he, she wants to go to a different restaurant. Morning, okay, where are we going for lunch? Okay, okay, I'll take you to lunch. Hey, hey, it's dinner soon. I just finished the lunch, two hours later. Take me somewhere else. Why, two weeks we didn't go on vacation. A wife like this, you should ask yourself, why did I marry her in first place? You know, sometimes people come to me, Rabbi, I have this problem, how can you help me? I'm dying to tell them, <laughs> where were you the day you got married? You didn't see it coming? <laughs> A blind person would see this. All these things existed before the wedding. Why you woke up now? Now you want me to make hocus pocus and all your problems go away? Anyway, so, you know, I told you once a story, the Gaon Mivilna on the way to Eretz Israel stopped in Amsterdam by a, by a Jew. And three weeks she was learning there. And when, once he was about to leave, that Jew was a, a, a person that loves rabbis. He wants them to stay by his house. He gave him great hospitality. And he said to him, Rabbi, before you leave, can you tell me anything I have to correct? I saw you holy man, you didn't leave the Gemara all three weeks. So for sure you holy man. 
Maybe there's something you can tell me that I'm not doing right. As a mitzvah, you saw me not doing correctly. Maybe I should do more. Tell me. So Gaon Mivilna told him, I really let, I checked you out, and I saw that you're doing everything fine. But there's one thing that I don't understand why you do it a little bit different than what it should. He said, what? He said, the Gemara, this is the Gemara in Masechet Yevamot. I just read it to you. The Gemara said that you have to love your wife like yourself, not more than yourself. Equal like you love yourself. What you don't want to happen to you, you don't want to happen to her. And you should respect her more than yourself. That's true. Respecting her more than what you respect yourself. Which means, make sure that she won't get embarrassed. If you have to get embarrassed instead of her, it's your obligation. Why? You have to respect her more than yourself. But pain, suffering, all these things, Love like your wife. The same thing, you don't want things to happen to you, you don't want to happen to her. Okay. And I saw that you love your wife more than you love yourself. <laughs> From all the things in the world, if the Gaon Nivina will tell me this, I would dance for one year straight without eating and sleeping. Why? From all the things he checked me for three weeks from morning to night, this is what I'm guilty of, loving my wife more than I love myself. I run like crazy on the street. Wow, what a tzaddik I am. <laughs> but this Jew, he said, Rabbi, you're right. But let me explain to you why I make that scene. I make that scene. Why I'm doing it not correctly. You see, when I was 15 years old, our father came to my father. No, they offered me a girl of a, girl of a very rich man. And the rich man came to me, saw that I'm learning very good Torah in Yeshiva. He told me, from now on, I know you, you're a poor family. You don't have to worry about anything. I sponsor you everything. Shoes, suits, food. I pay for your tutor, everything. Until you, you, you become 18, 19, and you marry my daughter, and I'll take care of all your needs. Don't have to worry. So I worked for, you know, I was in Yeshiva for a few years. And then what happened is that the, the, the father went bankrupt. And he came to my father and he said, I'm very sorry, I cannot keep the, you know, the deal because I don't have the money anymore. And the shiduch finished. And in the end, they gave me another girl of another rich guy. And I married her. And the night of the wedding, I became very sick. And the other woman, the other woman, the father was also a millionaire. From the wedding place, I couldn't walk. They had to carry me right into the hospital. They put me in hospital eight months. I cannot get on, stand on my feet. I cannot be with my wife. I marry her tonight. I didn't touch her yet. From the chupa right into the ambulance, right in the old days we're talking. It's no ambulance. It's 200 years ago. It takes her right away into the hospital for eight months. Is in isolation in a hospital. After eight months, the father of, my, of the wife come to me, he said to the Gaon Mivilna, and he said to me, he said to me like this, listen, I'm very sorry, you know, I was willing to pay all your needs, but what kind of life my wife will have? From the minute she married you, you're sick. And now she also became sick. What's going on here? I want you to give her a get. I'm forcing you, you give her a get. If not, I don't pay for your doctors anymore. You give her a get, I continue to pay the hospital bill. So I had to give a get to my wife, never touched her from the night of the wedding. And that's my, how my life was, he said. Then 
After a while, he didn't pay my hospital, and they dumped me out of the hospital on a wheelchair. And, you know, I met a poor person who was going to collect money. And this poor person told me, listen, you, you alone cannot collect. Me alone, people don't give me a lot. Let me push you on a wheelchair, and we'll do, and we'll split 50-50. We'll come as two miserable people. You're a handicap. I'm a poor man. Help us, help us. We're homeless. People see a wheelchair. Right away, they give. So I said, okay, let's be partners. So they started to go, and they really got a lot more money. So I started to pay for his own food, a place to live. Then after a while, we saw another poor man pushing a wheelchair of a woman. He comes, we met. Now we are four miserable. He said, well, why don't we all make a group? All four of us, we come. People will see us like this. Even if one, they don't have mercy, they'll have for the woman. They don't have for the woman, they'll have for the men. For sure we'll get a nice check. So they went, all four of them. After a few months, the first poor person that pushing me told the other person that pushed the woman, why don't we make a shiduch between them? They're both on wheelchair. What life they have? <laughs> That's how people think. Handicap to handicap. Why not handicap to a normal person that can walk? <laughs> Why does it have to be this and this? Blind with blind. Deaf with deaf. Who says? But this is the, the mind of a people. So he says, why don't you get married? At least you have kids. You make mitzvah pruvu. Anyway, your life is uh, not, a great, not great. So we got married. They made us a little party with the little money that we made. We made l'chaim, we got married, the rabbi came. Now I had a little money, I took her to the motel to do the mitzvah of Purvu, the night of the wedding. We got to the hotel, you know, they helped us in, he pushed me out, you know, I'm trying to get out of my wheelchair to stand. I go, and she gets on the bed and she begins to cry. So I told her, why are you crying? She said, I'm looking at my life now, I got married today how I, my life should have been much greater than this. How did I end up like this in this lousy motel, handicapped, sick? So he said to her, what do you mean? She said, when I was 14 years old, my father was a very rich man. He had a friend, he went, and his, his friend had a son that he was a big Talmud Chacham. My father gave money, and he wanted that boy to be my husband. But after a few years, my father lost the money, and they couldn't turn the deal on. So because, because of that, because of that, because of that, they ended up uh, canceling the shiduch. And then after the shiduch was canceled, that night I became sick. And since then, look at me, I couldn't do anything. So he said to her, are you serious? Is your, your father came to my father, I was the guy. I was the guy. This is after now more than 10 years later. They both look different, you know how it is. He said, I'm the guy. I was supposed to marry you. And the day I married another girl, that day I went on a wheelchair in the hospital. And I never touched her even. She said the same thing to me. I got married. I didn't even touch my husband once. Hashem made me paralyzed right away. So he said to her, wow, what an ashgacha, how can it be that we ended up getting married anyway? And after that night, within weeks, they both became healthy. 
And from that moment, he took the money that they collected, he had some money, and he started to make business, and he became a billionaire. And when the Gaon of Vilna went from Vilna to Israel, he was in Amsterdam, a real big shot in business. They told him, go to that tzaddik, he loves rabbis. Everyone who comes to his home, he treats him like a king. And he said, all the rabbis from Europe that they go and they pass in this area, they sleep by me. And all of that, my luck, come from this woman. Because until the day I got together with her, every second of my life was sickness and pain and poverty. From the minute we got together, I start, everything I touched became gold. You understand why I love her more than I love myself? So the Gaon Mivilna kissed him on the head. And he said, not only I understand, now I agree with you. You have an exception to the rule. If that's the story, and he stayed by his house another month. And then he went to Eretz Israel, and the rest is his story. He arrived to Israel, and you know the rest of the story. And this is a story that happened. I bring it in the name of the Gaon Mivilna that told the story. How he saw one person that had a reason to love his wife more than he loved himself. And this is it. Someone who teaches daughters and sons in the right way, and when the time comes for them to get married, he begins to run around to get them a shiduch. Start sitting and waiting. Ah, don't worry. Hashem is avek zivugim. When the time comes, everything else in his life, business, he runs six in the morning. Uh, he has someone stole money from him, Beit Din, Lashonara, fights, everything. Now his daughter, 18 years old, Moshe, what are you going to do about Miriam? She's 18 already. Ah, what do you worry? Well, anyway, Hashem runs the world. No, she's 19 now. Moshe, Hashem didn't agree yet. 20, 21, 22, ah, I'm not doing anything about it. It's not my problem. It's Hashem's problem. <laughs> ah, if everything in your life, you say, Hashem, it's your problem, leave me alone. You want to help me? Fine. You don't want to help me? I stay and learn Torah. I don't care. If everything in your life is like this, then you're entitled to say with Shiduchim for your children the same. But everything else you run and push and put all your efforts and something that you don't like, all of a sudden you become a believer? <coughs> Who are you fooling? This is why sometimes people say, what? I trust Hashem to give me Parnassah. I trust Him. Why in everything else you don't trust Him? One guy came to me one time. He said, Rabbi, I have to leave the yeshiva. So why you want to leave the yeshiva? I said, listen, I'm already 23. I don't have one dollar. No saving. No nothing. Let's say tomorrow I'll meet a girl. I have to buy her a ring. Minimum a thousand dollars. I don't have it. I will have to get a car. I don't have it. I'll have to rent a place. I don't have nothing. Minimum. I have to get married. I need 20, 30 thousand dollars. Minimum. My parents cannot give me money. So as long as I'm here, it's like a dead sentence for me. I'll never be able to get married. So I told him, I'm here in this place more than 10 years. And I saw hundreds of guys in your situation. And when the time came for them to get married, the miracles began like a machine gun. One hour after the other. All of a sudden this, someone paying for the catering, two suits they got, this, someone gave him a car. Mamash, one miracle after the other. There's gmachim, they give them beautiful blankets, silverware, I mean, uh, you know, plates. Psh, one thing from another. What? So what do you worry? I said, no, no, I don't want to take anything from anyone. 
I don't want, I'm not a beggar to go and ask people to help me. No, 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 I have to work and I'll make money. Why? One day I have a wife, I have children, I have to support them. So I told him, tell me, I want to ask you a question. How do you know you're going to have a wife? So what do you mean? I trust Hashem. Find me my shiduch. I said, how do you know you're going to have children? He said, oh, what do you mean? I trust Hashem. I have children. That's poor. I want to do the mitzvah. And I trust that Hashem will help me to do it. I said, oh, so you trust Hashem to find you your shiduch. You trust him to give you children, but you don't trust him to feed them? What a fool. Come on. So he's thinking. So I never thought of it. Why here and here I'm a believer, but here I'm not a believer? Because the Satan is a genius. All he wants to do is get you out of the yeshiva and destroy your life, that's all. So here he makes you a war inside your heart. You're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting. I have a guy two weeks, every day I talk to him. No, Gabi, coming with me to the yeshiva, I'm dying to come. Everything is ready, but I need a little bit more time. What's holding him? Nothing. He's not a businessman. He's not working. Nothing. But he needs another two, three days. Next lecture I come. Maybe tonight. Maybe after I mention it now with your uh, pray for him. Maybe tonight he'll get a bag and I'll bring him. I already brought in his cousin last week. Now even his cousin tell him that the yeshiva is paradise. So much Torah, so much interesting things. Such great thing. You have your own room. A lot of great guys, so many tzaddikim in one place, good food, everything. Just come and learn. What you learn in one day, you don't learn in quiz in two years. What you learn in one day in Monsi in Yeshiva, and it's not an exaggeration. Two years, you go one hour here, one hour there, half an hour there. You don't learn what you learn over there in one day. But the Satan is fighting, of course. <laughs> we know this. It's not from today. But Bezrat Hashem will do the right thing. So... The Gemara says, someone who does it and marries children in the right time and run and get them a good shiduch, and if he has money, he gives money, he's not stingy. Why are you not giving money? I have another five kids. I have to leave something for them. Right now, you have an obligation to marry your daughter. Right now, worry about this. Two more years, Hashem is going to supply you because of the, the parnasah, the secret of the parnasah is the timing. It's not only how much you're going to get, when you're going to get. If you get it when you're 60 years old, what are you going to do with that? Maybe give it to your grandchildren. You need it when the right time. This is what we say. You are the great God that gives the food to the people in the right timing. That's the whole miracle. Of course, you feed everyone. You feed the bugs and the elephant. You don't feed me. But you feed in the right timing, which means... You sit in yeshiva two, three years, you broke. You live off $100 a month, you're a single guy. But when you need to get married, what you're going to do in three months, as far as parnasah, will be enough to cover the three years you didn't work. Because there's no way in a history that a person would lose a penny for listening to Hashem and go to the highest extreme level. Nobody ever lost for keeping mitzvot. If a religious Jew thinks, that by doing a mitzvah perfect, I'm going to lose money, lose a shiduch, lose health, lose anything, is not only not religious, is a big kofer that doesn't have 1% emunah in Hashem. It's not religious at all. The kippah, it's fake. 
The beard is bigger, fake. Everything in his life is fake. Why? Thinking that I'm going to sacrifice my life for the Torah, and because of that I'll, I'll be poor? Because of that I won't get married? Because of that I will be sick? Even the Arabs are better than you. Find me one Muhammad that thinks like this. That because of being religious, he's losing. Find me one. Every Muhammad and Ahmed feels like this. So many Christians feel like this. And they don't even have the Torah, they have nothing. And we're going to think that because we learn more Torah, we're going to lose in a business? Just have patience. Hashem cannot give you right away. It's going to be too obvious. It's not going to be a free choice. No test. If you right away get benefits, of course, everyone will be in yeshiva. What's the point? Learning Torah and becoming a millionaire at the same time? Why not? Ah, if they pay you $1,000 to come learn Torah, how many Jews wouldn't come to learn Torah? How many Jews make $1,000 an hour? Even the big shot lawyers don't make it. So, if you can come and learn Gemara and enjoy every minute and get paid $1,000 an hour, ah, Netanyahu, instead of speaking in a Knesset, would be in Yeshiva. What do you think he would do? What's the point? Here, I see it. I make $10,000 a day, learning Torah, enjoying but then you don't deserve any reward. <laughs> what reward do you deserve? <laughs> you came for the Torah, you came for the money. The idea is that you do it, and it looks like you're losing. Three, four, five, six years, and then in one shot, boom, you make more. I knew one guy, he was in Yeshiva seven years. People come in and out, they get married, one day they go, they go to work. He's still learning, 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 learning. Now, when he had a second kid, he said, now it's time for me to try and make a living. Three months from the moment he left the yeshiva, but he only left part-time. He still stayed half a day. Three months later, I see he comes to the yeshiva with a big van. He opened the van. Thousands of tools inside, shelves. I see on the van, constructions, this. Then I see three, four Spanish people with another van after that. They're coming out. Senor, senor. What? I say to him, what's this? Yeah, it's my workers. I said, what do you do? He said, constructions. I, I said to him, well, you became a... He said, you already know to build by yourself? How did you learn? He said, I worked three months for this guy. And I opened on my own. And business is booming. Got a nice private house. Within a year, what he did, other people won't do in 12 years. Why? Seven years he sat and learned Torah, I'm going to make you lose? Who are the biggest big shots in American Express, in Wall Street, that stand over there on the floor, that you have to make a decision in a drop of a second? They have to take all the numbers. All of them people who were in yeshivot all their life. One time a guy came to me from there. He said, you know who are the biggest ones? Those who learn many years Gemara, their brain functions very fast. Every second is millions of dollars. Every hesitation of another second or two can be for the investment firm, can be millions of dollars. You understand? That's why they know who they choose. People that their brain is very sharp. Let's move on. Someone who loves his neighbors and brings his relative closer to the Torah. And is lending money to a poor person when he needs, when the time of problem. For that, Hashem says, 
You call me and I will always answer you, measure for measure. You help the poor, you bring people closer to me, scream to me, I will help, I will immediately respond. You're going to call me and I will answer immediately. You say, where are you, Hashem? Right away, here I am. Like a soldier. Here I am, what do you want? That reminds me of a good joke. You know, one, one guy... He walks in the desert, and he saw a bottle. He opened the bottle. You know this big genie came out? Genie, right? That's what you call it. The genie came out. He said, oh, wow, 30 years I'm lucky in this bottle. Sir, I owe you a big time. Please make any request you want, and I will fulfill your mission. Now, this guy is, you know, they say that in Israel, they take every nationality, and they make a joke about them. Stingy, foolish, this, that. Okay. But we're not talking about Jews because you're not allowed to speak Lashonara about Jews. So it's a Kurdish guy. So the Kurdish guy said to him, uh, Oh, I want you to build me a bridge all the way from here to Kurdistan. <laughs> so the genie said, You know, I didn't expect such a request. You know how many buildings I'm going to have to move on the way? I have to cross rivers, I have to put poles inside the water. It's a, it's a serious thing. Many people's life will be affected. They have a bridge in their face. It's not so simple. Say, so, okay, okay, you're right. Make my son a lawyer. So the genie said, tell me, do you want also lamps, lights on the bridge? <laughs> you also want lights? <laughs> to make your son a lawyer is much, much harder. <laughs> you know, let me build you a bridge all the way from here to China. Anyway, so it says like this. It says like this, Tanu Rabbanan married a woman and stayed with her 10 years and she did not give birth. 10 years they are together. Remember, this was written 2,000 years ago. This was accepted 3,300 years ago in Har Sinai. Not like today. Today a man and a woman can go to the doctors and they can tell most of the time, not always, where is the problem. If the problem is by the woman, she is not fertilizing, she doesn't create eggs, the problem is by the sperm, you know, uh, it could be different reasons for a person that cannot have kids. Or sometimes they have kids and they keep having miscarriages. What's the problem? Today, with the technology, there's ways to know. But in those days, a man and a woman lives together, they don't have kids, nobody knows. It's my fault or your fault, nobody knows. But 10 years they are married and he still don't have any kids. But he loves his wife and she loves him. But since a man has an obligation to make a mitzvah pro-urvu, it's the first mitzvah in the Torah, he has to have at least one boy and one girl. So if the wife gives birth, another girl, another girl, another girl, another girl, so many girls, there's still a chance one day there's going to be a boy. So you don't quit, you don't divorce her. If she has boy, 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 no girls, boy, 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 you still don't get divorced. Why? Because there's no reason to take another wife, because if Hashem wants to send you, send you for marriage. There's no defect in her, in her body. But if 10 years you are married, the Gemara says, 
It's not an obligation, it's recommendation. Recommendation. You want to have kids? Ten years you didn't work out? Get married to... Now, in the old days, remember, you could marry another woman. You don't have to get really divorced. If you want, you get divorced. But you can go and marry another woman because you want to have kids. That reminds me about one case that happened in Israel three years ago. A woman came to the hospital to give birth, and the doctors are doing all their tests. And they say to her, they say to her where is your husband? She said, he didn't want to come. He said, well, he said, he's very angry with me. Why? I already have four girls. And now he told me, listen, if you have to, you're going to have another girl, don't even tell, tell me. Don't return home from the hospital. I don't want to hear. No phone calls, no nothing. Just stay where you are. Go to your mother. I don't know what. There are primitive, foolish people like this. So she's, she's very nervous. So the doctor tells her, listen, it's not good for your health if you're so tent. You have to relax. It's not good for the birth. She said, but doctor, I'm dying. If it's going to be another girl, my marriage is over. So the doctor said, I'm giving you my word that your marriage is not over. Give birth, and then we see. She gave birth. What do you think came? Huh? Another girl? Come on, don't exaggerate. You're right. Another girl. Five girls. Now she's pulling her hair in the bed. She cries. Ah! So the doctor say, hold on, I'll take care of the problem. He call up her husband. Hello, Yitzhak. Mazal tov. Yeah, what? You have to come to my office. I have a very serious conversation with you. So what happened? He said, you just had a baby, a boy. A boy! Ah! Hallelujah! A boy! But there's a serious problem. He has only one kidney that's functioning. The other one is dead. He has a growth inside his head. And his feet are one upside down, so he's going to be crippled for the rest of his life. And now, on top of everything, I see that his spine is crooked, which requires at least five, six surgeries. And we need your signatures here. Your wife is fainted here. We don't know what to do. So the guy said, ah, okay, okay, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. Quickly, he came with his car. He comes, where is the doctor? He gets into his room. He said, that's the situation. He said, tell me, I want to ask you a question. Ah, he said to him, I think, the doctor says to him, I think that God punished you for what you said to your wife. He told her, if you're going to have another girl, don't come home, and Hashem gave you a boy with all these problems. So he says to him, you're right, you're right, what a fool I am, why? Of course I want a girl healthy than a boy like this. No, he screams, I'm a fool. The doctor gets up and says, Mazal Tov, you have a healthy girl! Yeah! <laughs> yeah, I have a girl! Iran. This is to show you how foolish we are. Ah, the Hashem gives you a gift, say thank you, what is this chutzpah? <laughs> I know one Bukharian guy in Monsi, I'm not telling you his name, but it's easy to guess because there's only three Bukharian in all Monsi. <laughs> <laughs> He had many girls. So the next time, he said to his wife, let's make a sonogram. I want to know this time in advance. So they told him, you have a boy. So he was relaxed. The whole pregnancy, he was laughing at my, my brother.
the joke again, the story. <laughs> so anyway, so what happened here is that he said to he said to he said to them, you know, you promised me a boy, you say it's a boy, how can you make such a mistake? Mistakes happen, and then he had four boys after. Anyway, so the Gemara continued, the Gemara says, how do we know that ten years is the time? That the Torah say in Genesis 17, Miketz Eser Shanim Leshevet Avram Be'eretz Knan, after 10 years that Avram sent in Eretz Knan, Lelamdecha She'en Yeshivat Chutz La'aretz Ola Lo Minaminyan, Lefiha Chalahu O Chaltahi, O Shneem Chavushim Bebet Asurim, En Olim Lo Minaminyan. Bottom line, it says like this. It says like this. If a person sits in the exile, the 10 years include those years also. But if he was sick, for a few years he was sick, and then he became healthy, you don't count these years in a 10 years. You add. Or she was sick, so you don't count it, because now there was a limitation, temporary. Or if he was in jail, or she was in jail, or they took him to the army for two years, you don't count it. Only 10 years that you were together every week, you could have kids, then after these 10 years. So sometimes a person from the 10 years, Rabbi, we married 10 years. What do you mean? You're only together two years. Eight years you were in the Marines in Iraq. I don't know. Whatever. So, that, so that's what the Gemara says. Time is almost running out. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Kol Adam she'en lo isha eno Adam. Every person that is not, is not married to a woman is still not a perfect person. Why? He's the, a person that has a soul has the other half of the soul by another woman, and when they get together, that's they reach perfectness. As we read before, Lot of Eyota Adam Levado. Sheneemar Zacharun Kevabraham, Vaikra Shmam Adam. Hashem created them, male and female, and called both of them together Adam, which means. He wouldn't be Adam without her. The, the term, the name that Hashem named him Adam, that he came from the Adama. But Chava didn't come from the Adama. Adama, it's the ground. The Eve, she didn't come from the ground. She came from Israel. So why he called her Adam together with her? Because it's a unit. It's a unit. No, it says like this. What is it that it says? I'm going to make him an assistance. Assistance. If he's a lucky man, married, which means he has married, some kind of merit, she's going to be a real assistant to him. Cooking, laundry, pushing him mentally, physically, everything. She gives him everything a man needs from a woman. Lo if he doesn't have the merit, she's kenegdo. Because the Torah says, Ezer kenegdo, Ezer, assistant against him. Assistant is with you, not against you. How the Torah says, assistant, but against you. How can it be? So the answer is, depends. If you have a merit, she's an assistant. If not, she's against you. Depends who you are. He told him, the Torah says, I'm going to make him an assistant. 
What is the assistant that God meant that a woman should assist her husband? He says, a person bring wheat from the field. Chitim says, Pishtan Lovesh, it says like this, bottom line, make a long story short, he brings wheat, linen, she turns it into a sweater, she takes the wheat, she, bre- she grinds it, she makes chalas from it. You know, so he can only bring the parnasa, he brings the, the raw material, and she takes it and turns it into something valuable. Without her, what can it, what can it be? Thanks to her, he can stand on his feet, rest, and walk out there and be presentable. It says like this, what is it that Adam says, this, she, is, she is a bone from my body and a flesh from my own flesh, from my own, from my own body, that Adam... He looked at all the animals, who is going to be my companion? Who is going to be my wife? There was no chavayet. Only after he saw her, he relaxed. Oh, that's my perfect match. That's chava. It says like this. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu LaAvraham. Hashem said to Avraham, there are two good things for me to bless you with. One is root from Moab, root of Moavia, the convert, root. And one is Naama Ammonit. Naama also a convert, root from Moab, Naama from Ammon. From them, all the nations which are your descendants will be blessed thanks to those two. But you should know that all the blessings who come to the Gentiles in the world, no matter where they are, Mr. Lee in China, and Ahmed and Mustafa in Saudi Arabia, and Christopher in France, and all these people, they all get their blessing in what they do thanks to the nation of Israel. Without us, not only not the entire nation of Israel. The Gemara says Rabbi Chanina ben Dosa alone made a horse to Hashem, a pipe, and all the greatness comes to the world thanks to him alone. And he completely poor, doesn't need anything. Eat carobs. That's it. He's happy. That's it. Righteous, learning Torah, eating hardly carobs and water, and the whole world is blessed thanks to him. Think about it. You see a, a person in the street. You eat thanks to him, and in Israel it's very common. They constantly talk against those who sit and learn Torah. Go to the army, go to war, what is going on here? What are you doing all day you're learning? The fools are talking like this. And they don't even have an idea, or they pretend that they don't have an idea, that everything they have is thanks to the learners of the Torah. Not only they don't appreciate not only they are ungrateful, they don't leave it alone for a second. They don't leave it alone. Same thing the going. The going came and destroyed Bet Amikdash. Why do you care to destroy Bet Amikdash? Don't you see the Jews sacrificing in Sukkot 70 cows, one for each nation? Don't you understand that the wealth and the peace to your nation come through these Jews? Why are you going to kill them? They are helping you. Same thing, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a cat in your neighborhood, a cat. 
You run after the cat to kill it. One day, second day, after a week, you kill the cat. What happened a month later? You have 5,000 rats. Say, what a fool I am. Why did I kill the cat? The cat was doing the dirty job for me. Now all they have to run after these cats and kill them. It brings uh, all kinds of problems, infections, this, that. The Jews are saving you. What are you running after them? I always thinking to myself, if I was a goy, and most goyim has some idea what the Torah says. They, they learn in, some of them in school, in the church, or they just read in the internet today. It's available to everyone. First thing I would understand right away is, don't mess with these people because God said they are his children and he loves them. I don't care. No, whatever people tell me, one thing I would understand right away, you don't want to mess with God and his children. There are many goyim who understand it. But there are much more that do not understand it. Look at history. I'm thinking to myself, what does this bother them so much? That all the empires had to come to Jerusalem to ruin it for the Jews. Why? Stay in Babylon, stay in Rome, stay in Egypt, stay everywhere you are. Leave them alone. How many there are? A million Jews all over the world. Two million. Leave them alone in Jerusalem and finish. It kills them. From here you see it's a part of the plan. Rav Moshe Feinstein, one of his students, published a book. And he said that one time he was walking with him in the street and he saw a guy is coming. And this guy looked like a real monster. Muscular, evil face. So Rav Moshe Feinstein told this student, it's amazing. He said, look, they can arm us. They can do it. And... They want to do it because they hate us very much, but they don't do it. Who stops them? If you have enemies, that you can go like this and destroy them. And you hate them so much. And first thing you're going to do, what is you going to do? Right? If you have a, a mice in your house, you have a, a cockroach in your house, you have anything, any ants, thousands of ants in the kitchen, what are you going to do? You get the spray and you get rid of them. You put a trap to catch the mice. You do something about it, no? They hate, he was telling him, look, they hate us so much. In one second, they can destroy us, and they're not doing it. Don't you see Hashem, it's Hashem's decision? If it was nature, then always they would do it. Not one time yes, one time no. Always. Because I will always destroy the ants in my kitchen. Because I don't want to eat them in my tea. Right? I will always destroy them. If I know I have a mice in my house, it's either him or me. I won't be sleeping there that night. I have, I have uh, squirrels always in my house, but they're inside the walls. They come, they go, they dig from the outside of the house. They're smart, what do you think? They go into the wall between the isolation, insulation. insulation. They go inside. And you hear them walking in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, you hear everything. You hear their nails scratching the sheet rack. <laughs> well, there's nothing you can do. So you're thinking to yourself, you know, how did they get in? One time I opened my wall unit, opened it, and one squirrel jumped out and started to run for one hour in my whole house. And all the kids running with a broom tried to push him out. I'm thinking to myself, the door of the wall unit is closed. How did he enter in? Then I was thinking all week, how did he enter in? I know that those animals, they are very flexible. 
they can become very, very narrow and go into small holes. But if the door is completely closed, there's not even a drop of a hole, nothing. All week I'm thinking, how did he get in? How did he get in? And then I came to the garbage, and I saw that the lid of the garbage cans has a beautiful circle in it. Hole! It's like somebody came with a big drill and made a hole. I'm thinking to myself, who made a hole in the garbage? Then I go to the other one, I see the same thing. I ask one of the people there, oh, what's that? He said, oh, don't you know, the squirrels, they eat it. They eat the top, slowly, slowly, because they want to get into the garbage. So I say to myself, oh, probably one day when I move out of this house and I move the big wall unit, <laughs> it's going to be a, a hole in the back. You understand how smart they are? How did he know how to go into that closet? You know why? Because this is where all the birkonim with birkat hamazon with lots of breadcrumbs that falls in it. That's the only place there was food over there. He goes inside, that's it. That's what it is. How the cat in Israel, you come home, if you live in the ground level or in the first floor, you leave cheese on the table, you come from work, you come in, you see a cat is on a, on a kitchen table licking the, the, the cheese. Who told the cat from the street that in the first floor in the building there is, a, there is cheese? When the, when the chicks is inside the egg, the egg just came out, how the mother can feed him is completely inside the shell. There's no way to reach him. The amount of time he has to be inside, Hashem already supplied him with enough food and minerals, everything he needs for his growth, that he will one day come out and break the shell. Everything he needs inside. So let's learn. If a little chick that doesn't want a quarter even, he doesn't have a soul, definitely doesn't have a divine soul, What's the significance of him in a creation? Almost nothing. And Hashem made sure that he will have enough food for all the time he needs to grow. I am the son of God that follows his mitzvot, won't have enough to eat. So why am I worried so much? Why gray hair? Why losing hair? Did you ever see a monkey with gray hair? Did you ever see a monkey with gray hair? You ever see a bald monkey? Huh? You see any animal that has stress? No, no stress for the animals. Just time ran out. We have one last minute. It's, let's finish this page. It says, Amar Rabbi Asi and Ben David Ba'at she'ichlu kol ha'neshamot she'baguf. When Mashiach has to come, he cannot come until all the souls that are waiting in a bank. There is a bank with all the souls that need a correction. This place called goof, like a body, but it's a spiritual body. And all the souls of the people who died, if they were reincarnation, if they reincarnation, yeah, if they reincarnation, in that case, they, they came already in a body, or in a body of an animal, or in a raw material, or in autistic kids, but they already came to the world, so the soul is here. But if they were not reincarnated, so maybe they went to Gehenom, or maybe they went to heaven. But if they didn't go to Gehenom, and if they didn't go to Ganeden, and they're not in Kafakela, where are they in that case? They are in that place who call Goof, waiting for Hashem to find them a sponsor. Who is the sponsor? A father and a mother. 
Who will I take that soul? Yosef? To what family I'll throw him? I need this family to be religious. So I'm very limited. How many families I have? I didn't find him a place yet. I need them to be very wealthy. Because he has to grow like a prince. Why? That's the, the test that I want for him. He used to be poor, now I want him to be rich. So I'm much more limited now. Imagine if the people will use birth control and don't want to have kids. They ruin the world of Hashem. Hashem wants to give chance to other Jews to come and correct. And they don't want kids. It's enough for me, two kids and two dogs, Rabbi. The dogs take too much of my attention. I cannot have another kid. It costs a million dollars to raise a kid. And so forth and so forth. So, the Torah is like this. Kol Yehudi she'eno osek bepriya uraviya ke'ilu shofech damim. A person that is married and is not fulfilling the mitzvah of poor vu is like murdering. Almost like a murderer. Why? He can have children and he's not interested. His, his wife comes from the mikveh. Let's wait a few days until your fertilization is over, and then we can be together. Why? It's enough for me three kids. I don't want. It's like spilling blood. Rabbi Yaakov Omer, it's an analogy, is defecting the image, the spiritual thing of Hashem. Memaet et admut. Ben Azai Omer, both of them, this and this. Abrulo le Ben Azai, you giving us Musar, you lecturing to us, you don't want to even get married. Not only not to have children, you don't want to get married. So he said to them, I really want, but I'm addicted to the Torah. I won't be able to be a husband. I cannot live without the Torah one moment. And somebody like me is not capable of being a father or a husband. It would be a crime to get married. What? I get married and I see my wife once every ten years? I cannot leave the book for a second. I can't live a minute without the Torah. Can I can't be with the wife, sitting, eating, talking about the phone bill, about the vacuum cleaner. You went to the doctor, you took the kids to the school. It's not for me, I can't. I have to learn every minute. Every minute I don't learn, I become sick. I'm addicted. The half deal, a drug addict can be a husband. He's on heavy dose of drugs. He cannot function without drugs. He can be a husband, he can be a father. He's busy with his addiction. But over here is a great addiction. So they told him, he said, the world can maintain with other people. I am dismissed from this obligation. Why? Hashem knows I cannot live one minute without the Torah. The Gemara says, right. He's an exception to the rule. But he was the last one in history. From him and on, nobody can use that excuse. That's Ben Azai. Ben Azai. Remember, if you ever hear the name Ben Azai, a person could not live a minute without the Torah. If we will have 1% of his love to the Torah, we'll be very big. 1% of his love to the Torah. He learns non-stop. We will learn a few good hours a day. No? It's great, no? But we're far away from these people. We'll see you, Bezrat Hashem. Every Monday I'm in a Fresh Meadow. 73rd Avenue and 172nd Street, 8.30 to 10. And Wednesday, I'm here every Wednesday, Baruch Hashem, more people came today, I'm glad.